This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Well, one of the scriptures that we all are, are all very familiar with comes out of the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's the 13th chapter and it goes on and talks about love. We're talking about love uh, this month before action. And uh, it says that uh, three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so the title of my message today is The Greatest of These is Love. And uh, I want to just talk to you a little bit about love. Last night I was with uh, some, uh, I was with some young leaders. Uh, in fact, many of the young leaders were sons of pastors, sons and daughters of pastors, probably some of the leading pastors of the city. They're all working with the uh, stadium worship that's coming up. And I, it was so refreshing for me to uh, sit around and listen to these young men and women. Uh, I was impressed by the deep concerns that they were carrying for the church, the deep concerns that they're carrying for their generation. And uh, it kind of reminded me when I started in the ministry so many years ago. And uh, all the doctrines and all the issues that I wrestled with as a young man, and still do, I still wrestle with trying to find doctrinal purity and trying to be as relevant as I possibly can be. And uh, as I try to mature and I try to remain as a faithful witness to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I can see that same struggle in the hearts of these young people. And uh, I think the underlying question from these young people, although it wasn't necessarily spoken, could be summed up in what I want to talk about today. Uh, I guess another way of saying this is, what are the most important things that I need to do or I need to teach or I need to master as a believer and see, one of the things I understand is that if, if you can master these things when you're young, you don't have to have some of the problems when you get older. You know, if you start your journey right and you stay on course, uh, it, it's amazing how this walk can be spirit-filled, spirit-led. But you know, if you start your journey just a few degrees off, at the beginning, by the time you finish, you're way off the mark. You know, I, I play golf and sometimes, uh, you know, you'll hit a shot and you're aiming here, but you end up over there. And it's not that it was a bad shot. It wasn't that you even swaying bad. It's just that the face of your club was off just a few degrees at the point of contact. And that few degrees at the point of contact, by the time it gets, well, my drives are like 350 yards, so. <laughs> by the time you drive gets all the way down the fairway, sometimes it's in the next fairway, the, the one over, you know. Uh, the point is you're just a few degrees off of square at contact. Well, so it is in the body of Christ. So it is as you walk with God. So as I began to meditate on what it means to be an effective believer, 
I kind of realized that that answer or the answer to this question is really critical because if you are off a few degrees at the start of your travel with God or at the start of your path with God, you can be off miles later on. And we have a lot of people, unfortunately, in Zimbabwe, a lot of people that call themselves pastors that are off today because they never really were directed on some foundational truths. And I don't blame necessarily all of them. I, I, I do say that, you know, we've allowed people that have no training, uh, that have a lot of zeal, a lot of hunger, but no mentors, no fathers, to all of a sudden ascend to places where they're trying to now mentor and father people and they have already missed the mark. And it scares me where the next generation will be. So as a believer of more than 46 years and uh, now entering into my 40th year of ministry in Africa, I've, ha I've, I've had the experience of God directing me and redirecting me on multiple things, multiple issues, multiple doctrines because of what I mistakenly believed early in my life as a believer. I want you to know it's better to learn sooner than it is to learn later in life. So in view of our theme this month, sharing the love of God, I thought that I would share a few foundational points that I believe would help any believer, but especially young believers, to know and how to share the love of God. So I have 10 quick points. This is one of those messages I would recommend that you put in the front of your Bible or on one of those pages in your Bible if you're taking notes, because I, I think this is something you can go back and refresh yourself on on a regular basis and it would help you and help others. So number one, uh, one of the things, or I think the one thing that the Bible probably emphasizes more than us loving God and loving people, which is the scripture that we quoted as we began the service today. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, and, all, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. One of the things I think God emphasizes more than loving God and loving people is the fact that God loves us. God loves us. And he loves us first and he loves us most. And you have to understand that. God loved you while you were yet a sinner. He, 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 he isn't in heaven. He, he's not fickle like you and I. You know, when I was a kid, I don't know how it is with you, but I remember uh, we picked flowers from my mother's garden and usually, a, you know, something that had a lot of petals on it. And we'd think about our girlfriend and we'd say, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She lo well, you know, God's not that way with you and I. He doesn't have a flower that he picks the petals off of. One day he loves you, and one day, well, maybe not. Well, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He's not fickle like us. I know none of you ever played that game. But he cannot not love you. The very nature of God is that he is love. God is love, the Bible says. Romans, eight, Romans 5 and verse 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. And then in 1 John 4.16 it says, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God loves you. God loves sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We can never doubt the love of God. God is not fickle. Now that doesn't mean that God is not fair. God will judge sin and God is wrathful against sinners. But the fact of the matter is that his wrath doesn't come first. His love is preeminent. He loves you and he loves me. Amen? We need to know that. Number two, uh, and this is really important you get this, you are not only saved by grace, but you grow by grace as well. See, sometimes it's a common trap for new and growing believers uh, to try to clean up their lives without God's help. You know, it's a false equation. The less you sin, the less you need God's grace. That's what some people believe. They, they believe that, hey, I, once I stop sinning, I don't need God's grace anymore. No, it's God's grace that keeps you from sinning. It's God's grace that enables you to walk the spirit-filled life. It's by the grace of God that you were saved, and it's by the grace of God that you continue in your spiritual walk with God. You can't sin less and love more without the strength of God's grace. Grace is that enabling power. Romans 6 verses 1 through 2 and then verse 15 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Or increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. You see, there's two sides to this coin. Some people think that, hey, the holier they get, the less they sin, the less grace they need. Others believe that, hey, because we're under grace, we can sin. And God's grace will take care of it. Well, neither one of those is true. The fact of the matter is, it's the grace of God that keeps you strong to fight sin, to fight sinful desires. It's by grace that you resist the devil. It's by grace that you overcome the works of the flesh. It's by grace working in your life that you get stronger and stronger. You go from grace to grace, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. These are very important concepts and very important ideas. So let's not take lightly the grace of God, but let's not forget that it's grace through and through, from the beginning until the very end. Does that make sense? Just tap your neighbor. Say, I think you need a little bit more grace on your life today. Amen? I think the third thing is, and we talked about this, and this, this comes up often in our messages about love. You know, we, we always love that scripture, and we use it before the close of our praise and worship or right at the end of our praise and worship. We, we talk about love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And, and, and we don't want to forget the great commandment of loving God and loving people. 
trying to obey the great commission, going and making disciples. And, and this sometimes happens. Sometimes we become zealous. Young and zealous believers are often guilty of thinking that getting someone born again is somehow more important than the love that we show towards a person. I believe in getting people born again. I really do. But the most effective way to lead people to Jesus is by loving people to Jesus. The love of God that is shed abroad in your heart. First Corinthians says it this way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, I, 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 I see people that want to make great sacrifice for the gospel. And I, and I believe in sacrifice. I believe that we do. But I, but I also see there are people that want to sometimes drive the, the gospel, either the social gospel or the, the gospel of, uh, you know, preaching and the gospel of some, sometimes. And sometimes we drive the, 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 the gospel so hard that we forget that the love of God is what wins people. Jesus said this, he says, your gentleness is what made you great. Sometimes we can do more with a little bit of honey than we can with a bunch of vinegar. Somebody told me you attract more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Well, sometimes as we try to attract people, it's through our love, our deep compassion for people. And that's why at this time, while we're preparing for action, We've asked each and every one of you to be loving and to kind, be kind and to invite sinners, to invite people that don't know Christ, to invite your friends, your family, and your neighbor to the Action Conference. Sometimes they won't come to church, but you know what? They would definitely come to an Action Conference where you have world-class speakers. And by the way, we have some very world-class speakers. There is not one session of Action with the exception of probably my session, that won't have world-class speakers. <laughs> I'm just your pastor, I understand. Uh, it's just Pastor Tom. But everybody else that comes is a world-class speaker every session of every day. So from 8.30 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon and then again at the evening, we have every session will be filled by a world class speaker. And by the way, this year we're going to stream everything. So you can start notifying all your friends and family, wherever they are in the world, that hey, listen, not only are the evening sessions going to be streamed, but the day sessions as well. Amen? So here's a secret of loving people. You know, sometimes we can win more people by loving them than, by we, than we can by preaching at them. I believe in preaching the gospel, don't get me wrong. But I've won a lot more people by loving them than I have by preaching. Especially on a one-on-one -on -one level. And, and here's, how the, here's kind of the, 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 the way it works. 
when you've loved somebody, they are attracted to you, and eventually they ask you the question, why do you do, or why do you live the way you live? And when they ask that question, very humbly and very simply, you can share your hope with them of who Jesus Christ is in your life. I always say, give them an answer plus. In other words, you don't preach at them until they ask you. When they ask you, you're loaded for bear. You're loaded to give them the answer. You're loaded to say, okay, now you asked. And now you have an, an, an entree into their life. You see, the Bible says this. Live your life before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the message of the gospel. We live a life. This isn't something we preach. This is something we live on a day-to-day -day basis. Amen? Number four. Love your neighbor or love your neighbors. And I'm talking about your literal neighbors. The ones you have, not the ones you wish you had. A lot of people don't even know their neighbors. God gave you neighbors in your neighborhood. And God gave you neighbors in your workplace. And God gave you neighbors in your church. And the Bible says, love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Well, you know all the, the parables about who is your neighbor. The good Samaritan is the one who cares, who loves, who, who takes care of somebody. And, and do this because you're a Christian. Do this because you're a believer. Not just because you want them to become Christians. I'm so shocked that people, well, I'm doing this, why? Well, I don't really like my neighbor, but well, I guess I got to do this because I want him to become. No, love that neighbor. Learn how to love out of your heart and love somebody. You know, sometimes you even have to love the unlovely. You know, Bonnie and I, in our first house that we lived in, we had two neighbors that we befriended. And my wife was always so good at this. She would find out birthdays and she'd give a cake and she, you know, the dog would, the dogs would fight. They'd fight through the fence or something or we'd have to build a wall. We were building a wall on our property and I had to negotiate with our neighbor. And we, we would find ways to, to build bridges. Well, we had a cantankerous old guy on one side and we had a religious guy on the other side. This religious guy, man, we were of the devil. He, 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 he hated us because we were church people and they were house church people and house church meant that they're against big church they're only in, they meet from house to house and that's a good doctrine we want to appreciate all Christians and all doctrines and the Bible does say they met from house to house that's why we have cell groups but they also met in the temple they also met together in corporate worship so Pastor Bonnie and I this this guy the easiest guy was the old cantankerous guy and, and his wife, you know, and my wife would minister to them, and we loved our neighbors. She, we, we eventually became very close to them, and very, and when they went through hardships, oh my gosh, we were there for them, and we built a friendship, and it wasn't like we were in each other's pockets all day long. We just had a relationship, and we loved them. The other day, we loved them just as much, but they had a religious demon, a religious spirit. They just couldn't really associate with anybody that didn't see it their way. 
But you know what? We kept reaching out to them, and every so often a ball would go over the fence, and I'd go over there and have to talk to them about, the, okay, can we get our ball back? Or the Frisbee would go, or, or the kids would be a little bit too noisy in the swimming pool. And, and you know, we would, and, we, and they had children. Well, they went through some problems. It's amazing when your neighbors go through problems that you can make a real big difference in their lives if you're there. We didn't preach at them. We just lived our Christian life. They knew who we were. We didn't have to preach. We had like a big sign on our forehead, you know, Pastor of Celebration Church. You know, we didn't preach at them. We just lived a loving life in front of them. Both neighbors were touched by our lives. The neighbor down the street on the corner was touched by our life. The guy on the other corner who was living with his girlfriend had never, ever gotten married. But they lived together. Guess what? We became friends. They were touched by our life. The guy on the block behind us became our friend. One of the families joined the church. But we never went out and preached them. We never went out and drove the gospel at them. We loved our neighbor. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. There's something about the love of God that makes a difference in somebody's life. We never preached. I don't think, that, I don't think we actually really preached to any of them. We just lived and then we would share the gospel with them as opportunity arose. So share the gospel of Jesus Christ with your neighbor. Number five. And I tell you, Mrs. Mahaka, your, your, your prayer this morning echoes this point. Gogo, you prayed about the blood of Jesus, the love of Jesus. You know, we need to focus on Jesus. Make sure your focus is on Jesus. Make sure your focus is on his cross, his blood, his resurrection, his kingdom. You'll never go too far from the heart of God if you focus on the kingdom of God. You know, when you and I confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, when we received him as our Messiah, there's nothing you'll ever say, there's nothing you've ever said that is more meaningful than those words, Jesus I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Take my life. There's nothing more, nothing more powerful than that. Do you understand who Jesus is? Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is different than any other religion in the world. Jesus is not a man. Jesus is God who took the form of man. All these other religions are men. Moses, Buddha, Muhammad. These are just religious leaders, but they were not God. They're not his equal. They were just mere men. But Jesus is God who became man. He's the center and the circumference. He's the hub and the rim of all creation, of all life. All of the world's greatest gifts, love, truth, life, grace, peace, name them all, they have a name. His name is Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Jesus is God's expression of love. God himself came to show us how much he loved us. So many, so many people don't focus on Jesus anymore. They're focusing on, how, focusing on how to get rich, how to get healed, 
They're focusing on everything that Jesus already offers you. Stay focused on Jesus. Amen. Number six, God cares about your whole life, not just your spiritual life. Some, some people, they become so spiritual that they're no earthly good. God cares about your whole life. Tell your neighbor, God cares about your whole life. You know, it's really a mistake to think that God only cares about a section of your life called your soul or your spirit. God cares about and wants to be Lord of everything, your whole life, your personal life, your emotional life, your social life, your familial life, your financial life, your physical life, your vocational life, your sexual life. Your intellectual life, your habitual life, on and on it goes. He wants to be Lord of all. Tap your neighbor and say, I told you so. I told you so. You know, I, I know young Christians get so spiritual sometimes. Young Bible school students especially, you know, that we are going to be spiritual. Well, spirituality encompasses everything. How many of you know rolling on the ground, playing with your grandchildren is just as spiritual sometimes as praying? Hello? How many of you know doing the right thing in your business is sometimes more spiritual than praying in the prayer closet? You can pray in the prayer closet and go steal from your neighbor. And I'll tell you something, that prayer meant nothing. How many of you wish, how, how many of you just hit a 300-yard drive and you're in the other fairway? Spiritually speaking. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Number seven. I think this is really important. I, I, I was, I, I've, I've been trying to figure out my whole life how to work through this one. How to genuinely love other Christians. I mean, it's hard sometimes. Those who go to different churches or don't go to church at all and who aren't like you. They don't worship the same way you do. They don't even have the same knowledge you do. You know, unfortunately, many Christians and many churches view their brand of Christianity as the most true or the only true or the most true type of Christianity. They may not think they are the only Christians, but they do think that they are the best or the most right ones. This is a prideful and sinful attitude that grieves Jesus and it dismembers the body of Christ. We need to strive for unity in the body of Christ. Now, I am very much against the ecumenical movement where we all become one. I'm not for that. I want to be very, very clear. God never called us to all be one. Even his people had 12 tribes. All right? We're not all to be unified as one. And I'm really against this idea that all religions are the same road to heaven. That's false. This whole thing called coexist is diabolical. It's a lie. Okay? 
But even in some of the cults and sects of Christianity, although those sects are wrong and the cults are wrong and their doctrines are wrong, there are believers inside those things that really do love Jesus Christ. And ours is not to cause more division, but to find people and fellowship around Jesus and fellowship about what Jesus wants to accomplish in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we want to strive for unity in the body of Christ. And by the way, the body of Christ may not be just churches. It may be his body, his bride, his people that love him most of all. And we need to do so by praying in a humble way and, and praying very thankfully for other believers, other Christians. I can't tell you how many times I've been blessed by people that are not members of our church, but they know that I'm a pastor. They don't even believe the same way I do, but they appreciate what we do and who we are. It always blesses me. And I never ask them what brand or, I can tell in their spirits that they love Jesus. There are many deceptions in the world today, and I, I don't want to downplay that either. But I don't want to so focus on the deceptions that we forget the true thing, Jesus. You know, I know this. I don't want you to be deceived. And we're going to talk about some of the deceptions in this church. But I'd much rather have you handle the truth of the gospel, the real thing. It's called the bank teller principle. Federal Reserve bankers, I'm told, are brought into a training system where they count nothing but brand new U.S. dollar notes. And they do this for, I don't know, quite an extended period of time. And then they're all tested with the best counterfeits in old currency. And they have to pick out that old, they have to pick out the counterfeits. They are so used to handling the real thing that they can just see and pick out the counterfeits one after another because they've handled so much of the real thing. I believe that it's the same for you and I. If you really handle the word of God, if you really pray, if you really get to know Jesus, you'll see the counterfeits. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the truth and the false will be exposed. We will point out the false to you. Some of, you, some of it is very, very tricky. And we're going we're gonna to be speaking about the false, but I think we need to handle the truth more. Amen? Number eight, just a few more. Just say a couple more points and he's through. I love this. Uh, how can I say this? Let's say it this way. Pray with your Bible open. Pray with your Bible open. You know, in, in this church, we have a great emphasis on prayer. Leading up to action, we're doing, I mean, we have all kinds of prayer going on here. We have prayer in the morning, prayer at lunchtime, prayer at night. We have 24-hour prayer by some of our intercessors. We have staff prayers. We have, I mean, people are, this is a praying church. We believe in prayer. We believe that God answers prayer. We also have a, a daily reading program. And, uh, you know, if, if, if not at least one Sunday a month, Sometimes every Sunday, and if Pastor Bonnie has her way, every time we get together, we're going to talk about the daily reading program because we want to read our Bibles. 
And I tell you, once that becomes a habit, once you read your Bible on a daily basis, you can't do without your Bible because you begin to read the Word of God, but don't just read it. I often find that sometimes praying the Bible is important. Take those scriptures that you just read, and instead of praying, reading them like it's a story, pray them as though your life depended on them. I can do that a lot with the Psalms especially. I somehow relate to King David. I somehow relate to Solomon. When I read the Psalms and the Proverbs, I can pray those things. I can say, oh God, my enemies surround me. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, come to my deliverance. Come to my, you're my strong tower. You're my, re I'm not just reading it. It's my prayer. Is anybody listening to me? There's many spiritual exercises that we can do, fasting, solitude, serving. But the two that I believe are most important are communicating and communing with God through prayer and listening to and learning about God through the scriptures, through the word of God yourself. God can speak to you. God can reveal himself to you through the word of God. Prayerfully read about Jesus when you read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's amazing. Pray, prayerfully study about the early church in the book of Acts. Go to some of the epistles where there's letters being written from Christian to Christian about how to deal with issues inside the church. There's great wisdom to be learned as you pray and prayerfully consider these things in the Bible. Amen? Number nine. And I think this is probably one of the most important points of the whole day. Find a cell group. I know many of you don't attend cell, but I, I want to tell you something. Uh, if you find a cell group, that's where we become mentored. That's where we become coached by those around us. That's where we get engaged. People get in our lives. We get in other people's lives. And, and, and. Christianity was never meant to be something you did. It's something you are. Christianity was never meant to be a transaction. It was always supposed to be a relationship. And, and it's built around relationships. You know, we all need help and we all need encouragement on this journey with Jesus. I always recommend find an older Christian, usually of the same gender as you. And ask that person to be a mentor or a coach to you. Look for someone who displays the attitudes and the actions of someone that's been a seasoned follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And once they help you and encourage you, be a blessing to them as well. Don't just take. You know, Pastor Bonnie and I have had many mentors in our life. In fact, one of my dear friends, one of my dear, dear, dear supporters has just died. I don't know if you remember Don and Marlene Ostrom. They came out for the opening of the building. Don has been with us forever. Well, he just went to be with the Lord just a couple days ago. But I, I was thinking about him as I thought of this point this week. And I thought, you know, I hear Don, just the simplest, sweetest old man you'd ever want to meet. But Bonnie and I met him when they had teenage sons, four boys. And we didn't have any children. I think we had one. We had Tommy. And, and, they, and, and, and they prophesied, you're going to have four boys just like us. We thought, well, that's great. Yeah. Well, guess what? We had four boys just like them. 
And Pastor Bonnie and I would often go back and stay with them. And what do you do now? What do you do next? How did you raise those? How did they? And, and they would teach us. They would help us. They would guide us. Hey, then I got this beautiful little girl. Man, I tell you what, I knew all about boys. I grew up in a family of boys. I talked to Don who had boys. I knew nothing about girls. So that's when I met Wayne Roberts. I said, Wayne, what are we doing with these girls? Wayne and I talking about, he's got two girls. I met other people that had daughters. I said, hey, help me with these girls. I had Danny Cruel. He told me how to raise boys. I watched him raise his boys. I said, Danny, Danny, you got four boys? How did you do that? How many of you know boys are different than girls? But you know, I needed help. I needed somebody to coach me, to guide me how to raise godly children, to do the best of my ability. They hadn't written the books about how to do that yet when I was a parent. Pastor Bonnie and I are so grateful for the people in our lives. And we've tried to be a blessing to them. I think of the friendships I have where I've been coached by many of you that have befriended me. and It may not be a mentor relationship, but it is a coaching relationship. It's helping each other. And I think of all the mentors that God gave me. I've always tried to be a blessing to them. Find your mentors. Be a blessing. And then finally, my last point today is I want you to remember that our motivation and the purpose of learning, the purpose of serving, worshiping, giving, doing outreaches, reading, praying, whatever we do, is to grow in a relationship or grow, grow relationally with God and with his people. I cannot put enough emphasis on relationships. I, I am shocked today at how many men of God do not have relationships with anybody, especially some of these prophets. They do not relate to anybody. They only relate to themselves, and they are like little dictators. They can't, nobody can speak to them. This is wrong. This is error. Nobody is so holy on this earth that they don't need other people and other relationships. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the Bible says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You can't love God and be so holy that you can't love your neighbor. But you can't just love your neighbor and not love God. These two go hand in hand. Christianity is not a list. It's a life. It's not a chart, but it is a charter. We're always learning new things. Some of those things will be true, but not important. Some things will be off by degrees and can lead us astray. Other things will just be plain wrong. But we need to help each other. 
especially young Christians need help to follow Jesus. Every one of us has a responsibility to help the young men and women, the youngsters, the children to follow Jesus. We have to focus on being our best at what matters most to Jesus. What is it that matters most to Jesus? Love God. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.